Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. All right, how's everybody doing today? Great. Hey, open your Bibles if you could. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which we were there last week. And uh, what happened, Aaron? Did we not have that song? Was it? Uh... Sorry, my mind's somewhere else right now. Turn it up a little bit. Ain't no woman like the one I've got. This week on Wednesday, we celebrate our 43rd anniversary. So Can I go now? You want to say anything? I was going to say, my grandparents would roll over in their graves hearing that song sung in church. Your grandparents are not here. So. Hey, I just want to thank you for, I mean, I'm thinking back 43 years, I have been all week long. Actually, it's kind of 44 and a half when we first met uh, back in 76, I think it was, fall of 76, down in uh, Bible school. She was stunning then. She's stunning now. She drew me over by her her beauty, and uh, and then when I met her, I found out she had an accent. She doesn't have it so much now, but she did then. It was I thought she was from England or something. It was pretty thick. And uh, only to find out she was from New Brunswick, Canada. And so, and you know the story, when I was in fifth grade, I, I picked out of a hat, here in Cleveland, I went to school, I picked out of a hat, a place in the world that I had to do a project on, and it was New Brunswick, Canada. And so when I met her, I said, you have an accent, where are you from? And she says, I'm from a place you've probably never heard of, New Brunswick, Canada. And I was like, no, Fredericton's the capital, St. John's a major city. St. John River, Kennebecasis River, Bay of Fundy, largest tides in the world. She married me a year later. So, so I thank you for walking through life with me up to this point and beyond. Yeah. And, uh, it's been a ride. We've, yeah, we've had ups, we've had downs, uh, some downs and then more downs, but a lot of ups. And uh, we've, we, uh, you know, we, we connected initially as two very different people. I mean, she, I'm from the U.S., she's from Canada. Doesn't sound like a big difference. Trust me, it is. Uh, so there was that. There was a cultural thing. There was also uh, just uh, things about her life, how she was raised. She was raised in a business owner's family, you know, that, that disliked unions. My father was a union leader, you know. Her father didn't really like pastors and Christianity, 
I was a pastor, so you know it was it was a tough start, and uh, it took. He ended up liking pastors. Yeah, he, yeah, I did his funeral actually. So watch who, what you, who you criticize. They may do your funeral. You know, I had the last word, and we had, he was the funeral. The funeral was backed out, and he was honored in a great way. It was just a. a and he came to know the Lord in his last, like last week, wasn't it? The last week before he passed away, he yeah. saw, he saw like, yep. he saw the Lord. I mean, he saw like a. Yeah, uh, he had an encounter with the Lord. And yeah. when we came into the room, we, we were living here, of course, and went home to see him. He said, it's what you've said. It's what you've said. Yeah. So we were able to talk about being together again one day. So it was wonderful. Yeah. You better preach. That's right. Um, anyway. <laughs> Let's just thank the Lord for sending, for putting up with me. All right. Great. Now, where was he? Oh, 1 Thessalonians. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. My Bible's upside down here. I'm going to get it back right again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Actually, I pulled this verse out last week and uh, got up this morning and wanted to do it again. I had another message prepared and uh, I thought, no, I wanna talk about this a little bit more uh, because it's, uh, I, I really, I've been so gripped lately by the joy of the Lord and just the, and I'm not talking about exuberant joy, although I do get that, you know, it's, but I'm talking about some, some sense, it's kinda like peace, only it's joy. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, peace that passes understanding is, is, it's like, I don't know, I just have peace. Well, about what? I don't know, everything. I just, you know, it's, yeah, but your circumstances aren't good. Well, I, I know that, but I mean, it's something that has kind of come and just like oil, it's overwhelmed it, you know, it's covered it. Well, joy's like that too. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, you know, I didn't mention this last week, but out of Romans, it says, the kingdom of God is not food and drink. In other words, uh, it was a debate, an argument going on in Scripture about, you know, the importance of days and events and holidays and foods and so forth. Has it been sacrificed to idols? Has it been purified, sanctified, sacred, whatever, you know? And it's the kingdom of God. These things are important. I mean, we, how many of you know we have to have food and drink to, to continue on down here? But it's not about food and drink, but it's about the kingdom of God. It says in that verse in Romans, is righteousness in other words, knowing who you are in God, peace, and joy. Joy is a key component of the kingdom of God. Do not be fooled into thinking that heaven is staid and it is austere and it is separate. Heaven is a place of great joy. I know that because it says in scripture that every time somebody comes to know Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. Did you know that every second of every day somewhere in the world, somebody is coming to Jesus? So what does that tell you about heaven? Woo! <laughs> it's like waves of joy. A hundred more, a thousand more. Wow, what a great minute that was in heaven, one angel said to the other. You know, it's just roaring and it's roaring and heaven's laughing and joyful. Why? because people are coming into the kingdom of the Lord and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I love that component. This week I, I had the opportunity to teach uh, some friends over in uh, Limington, Royal Limington Spa, England. I've been there four times, but I haven't been there in about a dozen years. And we recontacted recently and I did a conference. It was uh, actually, because of time difference, we were Zooming. I was here at... Uh, 
four o'clock Saturday morning with two faithful assistants that I'm so glad got up early to come and help me. And up here I preached to hundreds of uh, uh, mainly Anglicans in the central part, south central part of England, and it was it was powerful. I mean, people were touched. I, I've been getting emails ever since the end of that conference, and people are leading people to the Lord. I mean, there's people being led to the Lord on the streets in England in normal days through RUAJF, are you a Jesus follower? And, and people are being encountered by the Lord and people, broken fears, there's a lot of fear in people's hearts there as there is here in the US, but they were under lockdown way longer than, we, I mean, they're just now coming out of lockdown. It's been in stages, but they're just now coming out of it. And uh, there's just a lot of fear and a lot of depression and, and suicide and things like that going on in England. And so just to be able to speak into that, I wish I could have been there. I love England dearly. It's, uh, it's the country I've been to more than any other country in the world, I believe, other than Canada. And uh, I, I love it dearly. I, I really value the, the people there just because I think I've had such a connection there. But as I was speaking to them, I mean, you may or may not know this, but when I speak, I learn things. I mean, I, it's the thing of the anointing. I, I come prepared, I've studied, I've done what I need to do, what they told me to do in Bible college and seminary, I do that, you know, and I get ready. But when I come here, I mean, the washing of the Holy Spirit alters all kinds of things. I mean, and then when I begin to present it, there are times, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I'll say it again, there are times, it has nothing, I'm not talking about me right now, but there are times when I'm speaking, preaching, that I have to stop and jot things down because the Holy Spirit is communicating in ways that I didn't even plan. And so there's things that come to me like, oh, that's pretty good. I think I'll share that, you know, and I shared that. And I, I felt that the other day when I was teaching on Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday morning, I just felt waves of revelation and understanding and waves of compassion. I got so gripped at times, you know, and it's kind of odd because there was no one in here but the two that came with me. Uh, so I'm standing up here with an empty building. There's hundreds of people on the Zoom. I can't really see them. I usually see, I see just one person, the person that's kind of the moderator or whatever. Uh, and so I'm preaching into a, you know, <laughs> an openness. But, and I don't know how they're responding. You don't have the effect of the crowd response and anything. But, but after, at the end, it was, I mean, their communication about it was God was moving in a very, very powerful way. And so I bring that in this morning because here's something I learned when I was speaking just the other day in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses, kind of a chunk of verses here, but I, I need to do that. Uh, and, and out of this came a principle that came to me immediately that I recognized by other names, but it was the uh, uh, we do, he do principle. We do, he do. We do, he do. Or it could be even a variation would be me do, he do. Me do, he do. We do, he do. There's something set up in the principles of heaven, the kingdom of God, that is activated by us. And by the way, I think, it, I think it relates to hell that way too. There's things you do that activate, can activate hell. Not that we need any activation of hell. But it's, it's some called sowing and reaping, the scripture says. You know, there's this reciprocity, as uh, Pat Robertson used to talk about, the law of reciprocity. 
It's kind of like an Isaac Newton thing. What goes up must come down. It's truly in the kingdom of God. When Jacob's ladder at Bethel, which we really appreciate that, at Bethel in the Bible, angels were ascending. Strange enough, they weren't descending first. You think they'd be descending and then being wore out by humans and being ascending after that. But no, they ascended and then descended. When the voice of the Lord came out to Jacob, who'd fallen asleep in a place called Luz, but was actually Bethel, the house of God. And when he got up, he said, whoa, God was in this place and I did not know it. Some of you will leave today and say, God was in this place and I didn't know it. I just, I awakened in the middle of the service realizing God is here. That's what happened to Jacob. And so it goes up, it comes down. And so I'm calling it today the we do, he do, because when we do things, things are released in heaven. And I got this partially out of this verse and it expanded up to a few other verses I want to read. But of course, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I love, I was watching a little quick video by uh, Jordan Peterson this morning. I love his stuff, been watching him for years. He's gone through tremendous difficulty, but you know, he's really been rescued. Uh, He's a Canadian uh, philosopher, professor, uh, very well-known worldwide. And he said, he talked about this principle. This was after I'd already put my message together. I accidentally stumbled upon it. I think Google recognized that I might want to hear that. And so it popped up and I watched it. It was about 10 minutes long. But he talks about how it even works in selfishness. <laughs> he says that, that if you give to others, even for selfish reasons, you're giving because you know you're going to get something back, that that is a form of engagement of something that he doesn't identify. He's, he's speaking in secular terms. That if you serve others, you will get more back than what you gave. That's a biblical concept. And so he says, even if you do it selfishly, like because you desire something out of that person, it still works, oddly enough. And what happens, though, is the joy of what comes back to you even in selfish situations, transforms you. It does something to you. He said, I'm just quoting him, he said, there's really no greater joy that I found on earth than when you give to others. He said, when you pour out to others, he's basically talking about Isaiah 58, he just doesn't know it, but when you lend your soul to the needy or the poor or the broken, the Lord says, see if I will not turn your midnight into noonday. And then he doubles down and starts getting all these little metaphors that he says, I'm talking about God and Isaiah, to basically say he's going to do the opposite of where you are. He's going to turn your world around. That's why the reason this impresses me and hits me, and we will get to the verse here in just a moment. The reason it impresses me is because this has been heavy on my mind for the past month. Heavy on my mind the past month that when you raise, I know this sounds very simple, but when you raise your hands in worship, it is not just an exercise for your physical body. It is not gymnastic. It is not calisthenics. You know, it's not whatever else, yoga or anything else like that. It, when you lift your hands, when you make a conscious effort to lift your hands, it is a spiritual move in the presence of God. And when you do that, it affects heaven. I was feeling it today. I, I was feeling like swirls, like little little whirlwinds that are in the room, like micro whirlwinds that were floating. Uh, like, I know it sounds weird, but it's just what I felt. 
like little ones, like you see in the cartoons, you know, and they, it was, they were like dancing over the last year. Last week I saw a river over the crowd. This week I saw like whirlpools, whirlwinds. They were kind of moving and touching on different people, you know. And so I started, when I was worshiping, I started spinning my hand, honestly, because I felt the Lord was, was giving me partnership into an atmosphere. That's what we're doing. That's what we always do. We're partners with God. I mean, nothing really significant happens without God. I just got to tell you that. And sometimes God moves without our permission, without our knowledge, and without us asking. He does that. But a majority of the time, through Scripture, he partners with humankind. He partners and says, if you'll do that, I'll do this. You do that, I'll do this. You do me do. (laughs) We do me do. We do he do. (laughs) He did, so we do. He died on the cross so that we could do what we do. When we do what we do because he did, because of what he did we do, he does. Wow. That's a mind blower right there. I feel like I'm in a different realm right now. Because <laughs> of he, what he did, we do, he does. And so when you lock, I'm surprised that, I mean, I've known this for years and I, I, you know, I periodically get awakened to it. My mind's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But this really is meant to be a way of life. That when you attach into this, you realize what I do makes a difference. That it affects this realm because it touches heaven or it touches hell. I was teaching a little bit on the prophetic to the English audience this week. And I told him, I said, gossip is demonic prophecy. This. Prophecy is supposed to edify, exhort, according to Corinthians, edify, exhort, comfort. Build up, call alongside, that's what exhort is, or bring comfort. So when you prophesy over people, you are engaging heaven. What's done on earth will be reflected in heaven. I thought about doing something today and I I couldn't get it through my head to do it because I I didn't think I could find volunteers to do one part of it. I thought, wait, we're divided into three groups here. One, two, three. Let's say this is hell over here. Sorry. We're gonna try it, I think. And then I'm gonna run to Middleburg. So if this is hell over here, heaven, heaven. Aren't you glad you sat in these sections? Hell, does everyone know where they are now? It's hell over here. It's heaven over here. You remember that next week now when you come back. Now here's the deal. I'm gonna say a word, and when I say a word, I want you to reflect it. In other words, you say and act whatever I do, okay? It's the first time I've ever done this, so give me a break. All right? So whatever I so if I put my hand out, you need to put your hand out if it applies to you. Certain words will apply to hell and certain words will apply to heaven. Do you understand that? Okay, so you gotta move with me. I thought about bringing a couple teams up here and having them do everything I did. Reflect it, mirror it, because it's exactly what happens in the spirit. All right, you ready? Got your water bottles down so that you can be participating in this, all right? So I'm gonna throw out just a few words, a few words that come to my mind. And all you have to do is repeat the word with passion. So do it kind of strong, especially the heaven side. Actually, you can all do it because hell's pretty loud too, all right? 
All right, here we go. Let's try one. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, no word over here. Did you notice that? I don't like that word. I don't like that word. Let's try another one like uh, hmm. godliness. godliness. Very good. You're getting the reflection down. Nice. Yeah. Hell doesn't like that either. Let's, let's do one that's kind of easy here. Gossip. Gossip. Oh, you got to do this. Gossip. Did you get that? No, you're in heaven. Don't do that. <laughs> Can't do that. Remember, one-third of the angels left heaven. Two-thirds stayed there, okay? So we got our rolls now. Good. We're practicing. This is what happens. All right, everybody? Let's see. <laughs> I might throw some twisters in here too. Let's see. Cedar Point. No one cares. It's an earthly thing. Didn't affect hell, didn't affect heaven. Worship. Oh, yeah, heaven's on their toes now. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Stingy. Oh, where'd the enthusiasm go over there? Well, you're in hell. I'm sure that's not very exciting anyway, but yeah. Um, extravagant. Extravagant. Oh, it's a heaven word. Okay. Uh, divorce. Oh. Some people really saying with passion over here. I'd like to hear their story. <laughs> we'll do another one. This might be tricky, so you ready? Maranatha. Yeah, see, it's heavenly. Lord, come quickly. They don't like that in hell. Uh, Holy Spirit. Slander. Conniving. Forgiveness. Adultery. Lying. Fear. Faith. Hope. Love. All right, I think I'll end it right there, but you get the idea, right? What happens? This reflection. By the way, the favor is on heaven's side. You got two-thirds of heaven that is supporting you in this. Now, if you look in Scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that's good. Cindy, write that down. I'm going to use that again. I want to figure that out, though. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this. We exhort you, brethren and sistern, warn those who are unruly. Let me just say a little side note here. I have to, really. It's my obli- I'm obligated to do it, but... Do you know there's warning scriptures, and this is, this is speaking to a leader of a church of Thessalonica, and he's saying, look, warn those who are unruly. So there is, even though it's not PC, and it's not right to do this in the church, and Jesus would never do that. Jesus doesn't judge anything in our lives, have not read their Bible. It's full of things that we need to do when we get strong 
good, loving, speaking the truth in love, communication with one another. There needs to be adjustments periodically. And sometimes people are unruly. In my 43 years of pastoring, there are some that are unruly. And so you warn them. Not like, hey, you better stop that or I'm gonna beat you up after church. It's not that. It's a warning because when you're unruly, well, let's just try it. Let me throw that word out. Unruly. All right, hell's not even really excited about it. Unruly. Well, it's getting softer. All right. It says, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Everyone turn to the person next to you if you know them or even if you don't know them. Say, you need to be more patient. Just tell them that right now. It's almost the odds are very good that if you tell someone that, it's true. <laughs> we, are, we are not poor Canadian up at uh, Chick-fil-A the other day. I was by, you know, going through the, the, you know, the drive-through lane and there was an Ontario car in front of me and, and he was on his phone or something, I don't know. And, and of course, one car moved up, two cars moved up, three cars moved up, but he's staying there. People behind me are trying to get from the two lanes to the one lane. It's a very complex system. And if you throw a kink into that, it could, it could, it could ruin everyone's lunch. And so I gave him the little, you know, horns do not have mood to them. You know, I wish they did. I wish he had like a choice of like four emoji horns. <laughs> Happy! <laughs> You know, get moving. <laughs> you know, you gotta, and they would know clearly. Like it'd be universal around the world. Everyone would know that horn means they're angry. But when you just do a little boop like that, you know, a little tap of the horn, and it, you know, it can mean like get moving. But generally, it means like just a little reminder we are in a line and people are behind us, right? <laughs> and so I did the little boop. He's like, you know, and he's looking in his side mirror like. I stuck my thumb up like this. How do you react to that? I'm not going to go, beep, beep. <laughs> he may misinterpret that also, you know. So, you know, a long one is obvious. A long one is not like, hey, I love you. You know, we don't do that. So, <laughs> in the church, we learn to not blow the horn all the time. Come on, get moving. My roast is in the oven. I've had it, the kids are screaming in the back. You know, we learn patience, be patient with all. It's the culture of the church. There's warning in there, but there's comfort, there's upholding, there's patience. Verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. You know why that's so important? Is because when I, what happens when I say the word evil? evil. Yeah, they like it. At least five of them do. Evil. evil. Oh, there you are again. All right. It says, <laughs> where was I? It was okay, my friend, so. Oh, yeah, here we go, 15, yeah. No one renders evil for evil to anyone because when you render evil, he's talking to the church, when you render evil, some people believe there's not even evil in the world right now. When you render evil, it awakens hellish stuff. It brings in gossip, it brings in division, it brings in slander, it brings in all kinds of things, especially in a church context. He said, but always pursue what is good for yourselves and for all. Why? That awakens heaven. And it says here, rejoice always. I love this. This is the we do. We do. 
We rejoice always. We pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's what I preached on last week. Do not quench the spirit. So there's do's and don'ts. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. I love that one. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. It's we do, what we do, what we do. What we do affects either heaven or hell. Sorry for pointing to you all the time. I won't do that next week, all right? Verse 23, then it says this. It shifts and says, now it's not we do, it's he do. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Do you know when we do what we need to do, God does what he wants to do. And he will sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. For he, he do, he who calls you is faithful and also will do it. Now this principle, it's throughout the New Testament. And I don't have time, obviously, to go into it. I'm one minute over already. But uh, Jesus himself over and over says things like this. He says, your kingdom come, in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in effect, as a church, we are calling heaven down with what we do, what we say, what we pray. Brings in the presence of God. When you go in and you're angry at somebody and you move toward criticism rather than constructive edification, when you use criticism, you're enlivening hell in them. Shame, fear, bitterness, hatred, uh, revenge might even rise up in their hearts. Vindication. But when you go in and you speak the love of God, when they know that you love you, but yet you're speaking a tough truth, when you speak that truth in their life, it alerts heaven and hope rises out of it. Possibilities, friendship, love, comfort, all those things come out of it. Why? You've awakened heaven because of your communication of what comes here. You're bringing heaven down. This is interesting and in Matthew 18, it says this, Surely I say to you, whatever, this is speaking to the church, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Did you get that? It's the Jacob Slider thing again. Angels going up, angels coming down. That you have power, you are mirroring heaven. What you do, heaven mirrors that. Whatever you bind heaven will bind. Now, if you're working in evil, whatever you criticize riles hell. Whatever you come against alerts hell. But what you compliment, what you love, what you serve, and what you give to awakens heaven. And it's, you know, it's like that whole sowing principle. When you sow something, you're going to reap something. In this case, you're going to reap the blessings of heaven that come down upon you. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Look at this. Jesus doubles down here in verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask. So this is how you can... This is how you can alert heaven. You can get together with another brother or sister and say, look, it's what I did when Cindy didn't really like me when we were first dating and uh, she was interested in another guy. Everyone say other, hell, say other guy. 
So I got with my spiritual friend and I said, we need to agree together. I knew this first. We need to agree together. He said, do you, he said, before we do this, you gotta be sure this is the right woman. I'm sure she's not. He said, okay, let's agree together. Let's agree that if this is the will of God, he's gonna turn the mountain called Cindy. So we agreed together. We just said, Jesus, I think this is the woman, Lord. We need clarity in this situation. Boom, she breaks up with that guy, comes and gets with me, we get married. I mean, it's just one of those things. There's power when you come in agreement in this realm. It does release something in the heavenly realm. God's akin to it. When you speak good to your children, it, it brings, it's an agreement. You're, when you confess things over your children, you're pulling either heaven or you're pulling from hell. That's a scary thing when you think about it because we say a lot of stuff. But I'm talking about things that are said in faith. When you declare, so you say something just crazy and we all have said those in our lives, then you go quickly and you straighten us out and you apologize and you, because you do not want the effects of that to land into the soul of a person and create hell in their life. That's part of what forgiveness is about. So Jesus said, agree together, and it'll happen. He said, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three, now he's added another one, two or three gathered together, let's say like this morning with hundreds of people up here around the front, where two or three gather and agree, uh, two or three gathered together in my name, which we did, we even sang Yeshua. Agree together his name, I am there in the midst of them. Wow, heaven's affected because we just get together and sing about Jesus. Heaven comes down when we sing about Jesus. What do you think hell does? Hell is deeply disturbed knowing that in the name of Jesus and by his precious blood, they have no power whatsoever. You know, it's illustrated over and over again in Jericho, we do, he do. Cana, with the water to wine, we do, he do. In Jericho, it's like march around the walls. We had something we needed to do. At the end, he hits the walls, they come down. This is the, this is the kingdom of God. In, in, the, in the wedding at Cana, they didn't have enough wine, so they brought in big jugs of six big, what was that, I don't know, 30-gallon jugs, something like that. It was 180 gallons of water, they, they believe. Jesus smiles on it, it becomes wine. I mean, we bring the jugs in, Jesus makes, this is the partnership of heaven. Cornelius, Cornelius wasn't even sure what he was doing. He was mimicking, he was mirroring Jews. Oh, they give to the poor, I'm gonna give to the poor. They fast, I'm gonna fast. Like he did these things and it said it rose up like a memorial before God. And God sent an angel down to open the door to the Gentiles through Cornelius, who was not really fully a Christian yet. He was a God-fearer, but he was just mimicking this stuff. But what he did aroused heaven. And heaven came down, feeding the 5,000. What do we have here? Oh, a couple fish, a couple pieces of bread. Okay, good. That's all we need. Split up the crowd into 50s and 100s. So there's things we do. Start, start distributing the bread. Well, maybe you didn't hear what I, you know, Lord, five, two, two and five, two and five, two, five, that's it. He said, that's good. Well, go ahead and start distributing. Boom, boom, boom. And, start, and they, third, what, 12, 13, 12 baskets, 13 leftovers after the end. This is the me do, he do, me do, he do. Matthew chapter 16, when Peter is, they're talking about the church and, uh, uh, his great revelation, and Jesus says, look, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. 
He says in verse 18, I will build my church. He says, whatever you bind, here it is again, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So let's all stand together a minute. Let's, let's practice mirroring heaven and seeing what God may want to do. Jake, come on up.